Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Tech War, Episodes 5 and 6. Damn. Told you the weather calm would be one tough mother. Have faith, Dimitri, you're one of a kind. When I was a boy... Before weather control, government herded the poor into shanty towns. A big storm hit. Our shack just caved in. I couldn't see, couldn't breathe. Thunder pounding my bones. It's the devil, I thought, riding me. Hey everyone, and welcome to uh, Continuum Drag. Uh, we're your hosts, Jordan and Luke, and uh, welcome back for more Tech War. We're still here. We've made it this far. Three episodes. We did it, you guys. Yeah, and I I barely made it. We can talk about it a little bit. Well, we talked a little bit about it off the air, but I, I barely made it through through Tech War this week. Uh, I just... I. The, fir- the first time you wanted to walk away. Yeah, there, there was a moment in episode five where I thought, dear God kill me but don't make me keep going through this episode but we can talk about it more because it was a real gem well they both were i suppose well um i understand you have a segment you've done for us so uh i'm very excited because i don't know what exactly you're gonna do here well uh, i did a little bit of research actually i did this while watching the episode because i was so bored out of my mind that i thought oh i should just actually look into some stuff so we had talked about a couple of the people who've worked on the show and what they'd done before or after so i thought i would actually look into some of their credits and see what uh some of the creators had done so yeah, that's I, good because i have uh, not looked into anything so well i specifically looked into the the directors and the writers so uh i'll only kind of mention a few of the ones that sort of had some interesting things um so obviously we'll start with the creators the two people who are listed as the creators of the show are obviously william shatner and ron goulart I'm going to assume that's how he pronounces his name. Maybe. Goulart. Goulart. So obviously we know about Shatner. We don't need to talk about him too much. Other than I mean, not right now. We'll get into him yeah, again, other, I'm sure. Other than he killed his wife. Um, is that... Uh, so, so Ron is uh, primarily a novelist and writer. He's written a, a tremendous amount of um, both fiction and nonfiction, like... So let me get this straight. He he's like credited as co-creator. Like he's the co because he's the she's de- the he developed it for TV. Well, no, it's because he's the ghostwriter. Uh, he's Shatner's ghostwriter, but essentially wrote these books. So he's right, he's right. like I'm taking an EP credit on this thing. Right. So he gets an EP credit. Oh, good. For yeah. Him. So he doesn't really do anything. I think other than take an EP credit, but he's clearly the talent behind this. Whether whether that's something he wants the credit for. So he's clearly a you know was an accomplished writer, if not someone who's particularly well known. Going through some of the directors, the director who directed the most episodes was a man named Al Croker, uh, and that was six of the episodes he did. And uh, he actually has had a pretty good career. He's still pretty active. He did shows like Chuck and Bones and Pushing Daisies, and a trend that we will see, a ton of Star Treks. Um, almost every single person I'm going to mention has either written or directed Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Literally every single one I looked had those credits that's so, really funny because yeah. i was thinking this week i was just like why is shatner not calling any favors like why is like jonathan frake not dropping into the guest spot like where where are the star trek favors but i i guess it's just for the directors and the writers i think it was a bit of a different time in tv where these sort of journeyman writers would just be called on to shows not knowing really much about the show just doing single episodes standalone episodes right and i think that might give a bit of an answer as to why there's sometimes consistency issues i think they're just writers who come in and like oh yeah science fiction okay sure i'll bang out an episode uh yeah cardigan gets an electric foot i don't know right you know? right there's so no writer's room in this case there's no writer's room these are just and, and i think it was the same thing for a lot of the star trek and things at the time um so so again almost i'm pretty sure every single person i looked at had written for these sort of uh, episodic episodic syndicated shows right right right, right. um so anyways, oh, uh, so there's a director named Alan Eastman who directed one episode. I only put him down as interesting because he also directed Andromeda and Nightman, which oh. we'll probably both be watching both of those at some point. He also did 42 episodes of The Littlest Hobo. That's a lot of episodes. Oh, man. What a what a great gig. Just to direct 
little hobo episodes. Yeah, and also I'll say greatest theme song for a TV show. Do you remember the little ho- little hobo? Of course. Yeah. Who could who could forget? Yeah, who could forget? Sing, sing us a tune. Sing us a chord. There, there's a place. That's all you get. Oh. Uh, going into the writers, you have a couple people like David Karen, who wrote a few episodes. He wrote Murder, She Wrote, and Walker, Texas Ranger. But this particular writer, all of his credits, almost all of them, were G.I. Joe, Ninja Turtles, Camp Candy, Thundercats. And my personal favorite, and one I thought you would appreciate, it was the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Oh, with, man. With Lou Albano. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, oh, I remember. And he does his little dance at the beginning. Oh, man. Anyways, he wrote that. Like, what, what, a, what a gig, huh? J. Larry Car- Carroll. Wrote for Brave Star, She-Ra, Ghostbusters. Dean Butler. He would only be exciting for my sister because he's an actor who played the role of El Almonzo, which I don't know if you remember, from Little House on the Prairie. He married Laura Ingalls. Oh, it was a deep cut for, uh, let's call her Jordana. I don't know what your sister's name is. Yep, that was it. Oh, oh and finally, my favorite thing was there was, an a- there was a writer who I don't know if you can figure out how she might have got a job on this, but her name is Lisbeth Shatner. Uh, oh, she wrote, she wrote an episode. Um, it's episode eighteen, so we haven't gone to it, but I think we should make a that's note. That's the finale. That's a series. That's a season slash yeah. series finale. <laughs> so um, I looked up her credits, Lisbeth Shatner, who is his daughter. So she has one other credit on one other TV show, which has she'd written previously uh, in 1985, which was an episode of TJ Hooker. Nice. So I guess thank you. Father Shatner for giving her two writing credits and two big paychecks for these uh, not very good TV shows. Hey man, what's our, what are our dads doing for us? Yeah, Fuck, he's, fucking yeah. nothing. Well, well, my dad got me in this podcast. You know, he was your original. Uh, he was your original <laughs> partner, and as he moved on, he thought. Uh, and people, people now there's a lot of online debates. Uh, who was really better? You know. I mean, I think you're a cheap knockoff, but uh, yeah. that's not what the fans always I, say. A lot, you know. I'm the Sammy Hagar of this uh, of this group. That's that's for all those Van Halen fans out there. Anyways, that's that's basically a little kind of in-depth, a very exciting look into some of the writers and uh, directors of uh, the show that we're watching. So why don't we get into the uh, uh, the episodes? Sure. Let me uh, let me give you the synopsis for Tech War Episode Five: Stay of Execution. A terrorist has taken control of the global weather control system and threatens to unleash deadly storms. Jake is paired with someone who has been on ice. He needs to find out if she is helping or just setting him up. That's yeah. it. That's the synopsis for episode five. I think what I'll say about this episode is it has my favorite title of the episode. Stay of Execution. That's about it. After, you know, four episodes of like really questionable world building, we get really deep into what it means to be like put into the freezer. Like these are like freezer heavy It, it, it is true. There's two things to note about both these episodes. Both episodes are, yeah, as you mentioned, discuss freezers and show freezers, which again, yeah, right. They never talk about, well, they mention, but you they don't see They mention that Jake has been in a freezer, but, but like it, no more information than It's that. weird to do two in a row. And then the other thing is Shatner's nowhere to be seen. Oh, I was going to bring that up later, but yeah, he's just gone. I actually was trying to think, I'm like, when's the last time I saw Shatner on the show? I think it was episode three. Yeah, it, it, I, I just assumed he would be in it more. I assumed it would be his baby. He'd show up a lot more. He'd get a few more things. He is nowhere to be seen. He's a cameo in the show is what he is. He shows up He shows up when they need the ratings to go up, you know? All right. We uh, get a monologue from this week's bad guy, Alec, who initially seems to be running a terrorist organization called Labyrinth. But uh, we'll quickly see, like, Labyrinth seems to be him and one other guy. Like, there used to be a terrorist syndicate, and now it's just like... I don't know. They're just two guys in Russia who have a weather control machine. My, my note, and this will, <laughs> this is never going to stay in. My note was he looks like Blade from the Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, that's staying in. That's great. Do you remember? Do you remember that movie? No, but I love that. Uh, this is what you do now. <laughs> yeah, I just I look at I go, oh yeah, that guy looks like that movie. I remember watching in nineteen eighty seven or whatever that movie. It, may, it must have been later, maybe nineteen eighty nine. I, I think I've seen that movie, but it's been a long, long time. It's really bad. I remember it's, Courtney Cox in it. That's yeah, it, well, yeah, it's, but it's it's at the time when they were making, um, you know, cartoon or comic book or whatever movies, but they wanted to stay away from the source material because they thought that would hurt it, which is, you know, like now it's it's the exact opposite. But, you know, it was the same time where Punisher came out, but they didn't actually want Punisher in his costume. And He-Man came out, but they didn't actually want him with his he-man sword that turns into he-man or uh and it was anyways it was a weird time for these movies now we're in a living in a better age yeah we're living in a better age where it's 
85 Marvel movies every three seconds. What a time to be alive. Each one better than the next. <laughs> um, so we meet the villains, and they are... They're controlling the weather, and the weather is attacking North America? Yeah. Well, no, it's it's more like a um, Roland Emmerich movie. Oh, Geostorm. Yeah, it's like one of those, right? But, I mean, I think they had the same thing in Star Trek, didn't they? Was, wasn't oh, weather I, controlled? I mean, I, probably, but no one ever took it over and I, that I remember and, like, held yeah. people hostage with it. Yeah. Also, it's just like Roland Emmerich no- movie with no budget. Like, you don't ever yeah. see a storm. That is funny. I did notice. You, you hear the rain? And they talk about the rain and a lot. And you see a flash of lightning. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, ooh, this storm's getting real bad out there. Uh, don't look out the window. But let, oh, trust us, it looks really bad. We don't have the budget for you to look out the window. Can I mention one thing before we move on? Sure. What was the main bad guy's name? Alec. Alec. He, his stupid soliloquies. Oh, yeah. He gives a whole monologue. He's like gives these weird monologues, and they're all weird. And I think at one time, he actually says, like, I, I wrote, Bob Dylan sue him because he wrote, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. He actually says that. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Who talks like this? I made a note on his opening monologue, and all I wrote was devil monologue. I think he just kept, like, talking to the devil or something. Yeah, he, he, I wrote it down, too. He, he said, it's the devil, I thought, riding me. Yeah. Just monologuing from a secret lair in Russia while controlling the weather. Yeah, exactly. What this does, this whole weather attack, brings fan favorite, unclear government representative, Grout, from, was that, was that from episode two back into the show that's right that's right it was the same woman i didn't her name was grout yeah yeah they said in this one they're like grouts here i'm like tough name and again the funny thing is they have these different levels cardigan mentions or someone in their organization mentioned that cosmos works for the attorney general so that's how it works. They're a separate entity that works for the attorney general, assuming uh, the attorney general of the United States or whatever is in the United States place at 2045. Oh, really? That's how they're not a police officer. They're not federal agents. They're not. They're this weird attorney general sanctioned uh Security or, outfit. Security organization. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not 100% sure what's true in this show. Did you catch this as Groot showed up? She uh, she makes a, pota- a potato famine jab. At uh, Cardigan, I did. I didn't. Catch Cardigan's that. just like complaining about the weather and the, and the like weather con that's being hijacked, and he's like, "This is science's fault." It's really dumb. He's like, "This is science's fault." And she's like, "Yeah, well, two two centuries ago, your people had a potato famine. You nearly died." It's <laughs> <laughs> like so many Iris jokes for the last couple episodes. She's like, "Anyone else from Rwanda out there? Hey, remember that massacre?" It was really, it was really weird. At any rate, she shows up because. It's time for Jake to get a new partner. Get out of here, Sid. This this is a weird trend that seems to happen um, a lot. Well, will be happening a lot is that Sid, Sid, they just don't, is it the writers don't know what to do with Sid, but he always has to stay in the office so Cardigan can go out, do stuff. And Cardigan sucks. They keep, and even this, they go, we need his special skills. What's his special skills? Uh, they, they always say it and it's always so vague. Yeah. I haven't seen any special skills so far. Um, the government is teaming him up with an ex-agent from Labyrinth who's been in the freezer, uh, but since she bombed a Maglev train in Chicago. So they go down. We finally get to see the prison where they freeze prisoners and like they dethaw her and take their prisoner out. And did you catch what they what they what they call the condition when when you get out of uh, out of the freezer? A freezer burn. Freezer burn. That made me laugh. Wasn't she, that funny? She's suffering from freezer burn. Yeah. Uh, and she's going to be Jake's new partner to help take down her old comrade from Labyrinth. I have so many questions about the justice system here. She's like in, she's supposed to be frozen for 50 years. What? There's no rehabilitation. She's just unconscious. And then they unthought her. It's actually, it, it's not a punishment at all. You just close your eyes and then you wake up and, oh, your your sentence is over. The, the, the real punishment all your is, friends are dead. <laughs> is all your friends and family are dead. And even worse, your clothes are really, really out of fashion. <laughs> All their pop culture references are so out of date. Yeah, yeah. They're still talking about early Simpsons episodes where they've moved. The Simpsons is in season 63 now. Still still going, though. Yeah. I want to talk a little more about the freezer stuff. Because, yes, coming out of it has the repercussion of freezer burn. It happens to her throughout the episode. She'll, like, have an attack of freezer burn, which is just her, like, feeling kind of cold. <laughs> yeah, they uh, I, at one point, uh, th- th- there's a part where... They just talk about freezer burn and they say it's going to be unpleasant and blah, blah, blah. And almost immediately after, she's like, oh, what's happening? I was like, it's freezer burn. They just told you, you idiot. Well, and even at some point, Cardigan's just like, I still get the burn. Like, this is just apparently a permanent scar. Although, 
the one piece of kind of like insight we get into it, well, Cardigan and uh, Lena, his new partner, Lena, yeah, uh, are talking about kind of their own their past in the freezer. Cardigan says this, and I just don't know what to make out of it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But he says, "In the freezer, all our minds are hooked together on life support, so we all have the same nightmare." Yeah, and their nightmare is freezer burn. Yeah, yeah. The, he implies that they're like mentally tortured or something it was very weird yeah it's like i couldn't tell if uh, if cardigan was doing his best at trying to say something interesting but it just sounded dumb and weird it's like what are you talking about we got a lot more about uh the freezer and what the prison system's like and not really makes any more sense but uh it was at least a little peek into what uh, happened when cardigan was in the freezer they go to russia i didn't even know it was russia for a while because no one speaks russian and they didn't even try to, except for later on, then one guy comes up with the worst Russian accent ever, the, the military oh, you, guy. You, but but no one speaks Russian in Russia. And the only thing I enjoyed was that they're apparently in Yeltsingrad because the writers thought, yeah, Yeltsin's going to be remembered very, very well to the point where they're going to make a hologram of him above the building. Yeah, no, it's great. Like they take her out of the freezer and then they immediately jump straight to Russia. I was very i was a very big fan of this move directly to russia we're now gonna see what russia's like they barely leave the airport yeah they don't leave the airport and it just looks like an airport and no one speaks russian Um, like maybe i i i convinced myself that okay it's the future and russia has become so cosmopolitan that there's a bunch of different nationalities and cultures and languages so everyone just sounds like a canadian actor (laughs) one guy does have a russian accent Yes. Another guy has a Jamaican accent. It's a real mixed bag there. Great part of them going to the airport, though, is while security is lax, we finally discover what the name of Cardigan's gun was. Did oh, you, did we? Did you no, hear it? I didn't. It, it goes off in the security, and he's like, I don't have anything on me. And then his partner, he's like, he's got a plasma pistol on him. I'm like, oh, that's what that wave gun's been this whole time, a yeah. plasma pistol. You know, it's funny. I heard that, and I didn't even connect it because I'm stupid. They're in this airport. The first thing they're going to do is meet their contact to meet there, which has great, great future slang in here. They're like, we got to meet this street wipe. Oh. That's that's the slang they use for this person they've got to meet. So they have to meet this tech head who's going to tell them how to get to Alec in, like, stop labyrinth and did you hear uh is is this this is the guy they meet at the airport yeah and did you hear how he introduced himself to them no i wrote that down what's real man what's real man that is happy jack happy jack he's yeah. uh i don't know what is going on he talks about how he is on tech all the time but a low amount so he just remains pleasant uh, try, still trying to have this comparison that tech is like drug so the basic idea is that he's a little bit high he's just a little bit high and so he can still he's a fully functioning person but the problem though is what they've shown us with tech as you you've illustrated before is just weird images of you like molesting people that work for you that's what seems to be tech it's these weird images in your head so is he just how, watching this yeah. how is happy jack walking around and interacting with people yeah. i don't know i don't yeah. know it doesn't make any sense um, Happy Jack, however, does not believe that they are not cops for any amount of time at all. Yeah, because Cardigan doesn't put, hasn't put on a great disguise yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They they get chased off. It's not really a lot going on there. They get chased off by Happy Jack's guys. the th- The only thing I want to note there, though, is when when defeating Happy Jack's guys, for, they use a one of the force fields we've seen, which is protected Chatner in the past. But did you notice that? This time they introduce a new idea of the force field. If you run into a force field, you just evaporate. Evaporate. You're yeah. gone. This is like that is new information about the force fields that I'm just like, oh, hmm, that's uh, not a safe device to be using. Also, this is a real nerd nitpicky uh, thing, but I see this all the time when there's a uh, you know someone something similar in a science fiction movie where someone's frozen for time or someone goes into the future or whatever, and they always immediately know how to use the technology. It just it it she like she just immediately knows how to use the technology in the airport. She's f- seemingly been in the freezer at least for a few years, right? Uh, yeah, but I I don't think they've updated like from the look of the technology in the show. I think it's been pretty stained stagnant for a while. Let's say uh, five years you haven't used a computer and you come on. Do you think the computer the operating systems are the same? I don't think. Uh, what I'm saying is there's no way she could have had that force field. She could have hacked that force field. Yeah, no way to uh, to dissolve that man. <laughs> You know, Lena, some Russian terrorist who has a weird face tattoo, would not have the uh, the know-how to do that. 
Don't buy it. You know, it's you know, uh, I thought Happy Jack was gonna come back because they don't deal with him after that. Like they kill his thugs and he kind of runs away. And I'm like, oh, we'll see him again. Never see him again. Yeah. Like it was a really weird introduction of a very distinct character to never bring him back. Well, there's a never time in these episodes because they have to give all the lines to Cardigan. That yeah. that's like it's a running thing that none of the other characters have any time to do anything because everything has to go to Cardigan. Moving on, after they get away, Lena uses this future term. That tech had lobed you as a cop. Lobed. Yeah. yeah. Um, which means it's time for a makeover. Record scratch. <laughs> I feel good. That's what they should have done. That'd have been great. And it's a whole montage of him putting on different wings stuff. But yes, uh, them putting him in a terrible hair metal band wig with a Mike Tyson face tattoo, it, it was the dumbest thing. And it made me laugh because it was so dumb. As we, we literally cut to him getting laser tattooed in a chair. And I was like, whoa, that's, uh, I mean, it's the future. So I guess you can probably remove tattoos very easily. And then they just immediately are like, Cardigan's like, this is just temporary, right? And the guy's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just fade away. I'm like, why, why even bother? You know, the viewers were going to be very worried. He's not going to keep that tattoo, is he? The rest of the series. Oh, no. Cardigan's got a huge face tattoo. That would actually be better. That'd it, be better if it like. Wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt the show. It wouldn't hurt the show. No, I think it'd be better if you had something and it's like a battle scar. He's got a face tattoo from that time that he went deep undercover for five minutes. In Russia. In Russia. In a Russian airport. In in Yeltsingrad. Um, and uh, let's let's just say that uh, so far in this episode, uh, there's been no reason to unfreeze this woman. Like no. I, I just and and they give very little logical reason other than, well, we can talk about it. That Cardigan always needs someone to make out with. They are destined to hook up in this episode. Anyway, um, with his new look, with his new bad boy look. They hook up with an old cop that Lena knows who probably was part of the terrorist cell at some point, but now he just goes around taking bribes from store owners. Yeah. He got uh, 350 credits he took from that sushi owner. Was that what it was? Yeah. Back to our, we really should have some sort of chart where we track the uh, how money works in the in the future because as we've pointed out before, it, it makes no sense it at did, all. It did seem like a lot. Um, and I mean, this whole show, the all Cardigan does, anytime he, they meet a new character where they need to find like the next step to get to alec all he does is he bribes someone like he doesn't have any other move he's just like i'll bribe you he's got i'm just like this is all you need to do i guess just give someone some money they'll tell you how to get to the next step that's one of his special skills it's very that's what the government needed him for they need someone who can walk around bribing people all right anyway this cop's an old friend of lena's he's gonna hook her up with like basically the next step of the part like all this show is is just like meet someone get told who to talk to next, and that person will tell you who to talk to next, and eventually you'll get to the end. Um, but really weirdly, which is becoming a trend on this show, the cop's like, Lena, who's your friend? I don't know him. And she's like, oh, you remember Bernice? This is Bernie now. I'm just like, what? Like, is- oh, Yeah, it, was, it almost seemed like they were going to be very progressive for a moment of, oh, in the future, uh, you know, people yeah, you change. Could, you, you could be transgendered. Yes, and 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 but then it was like, oh no, it was just kind of like a weird gag thing. Yeah, it, it's really becoming like this. This show falls back on it now. This is the second time it's kind of like gone to that well. Uh, that this cop points them toward a photographer who used to be an extra member. They show up there, and he's uh, he he's going to tell them for the right bribe how to get to Alec, um, but he betrays them immediately. Oh, yes. Where Garth works. And Garth's an ex-Labyrinth member. He seemed like pretty low-level, kind of keeping to himself. And Cardigan was really pushing him to get back into the crime. It's just, just leave the guy. Leave him alone. He le- he makes a good living off of, what do you say, fake IDs and brainwave alterations. Yeah. Which uh, turns out to be very important later in this episode. Um, but yeah, they basically tell him, we want to find this guy. We want to get his weather machine. And we're going to sell it. That's their, like, cover story. Yeah, the, their cover story is terrible, but, everything, like, come on. Oh, here's my old friend who's now uh, yeah, they a didn't... man, and uh, uh, we need to buy a thing. Like, no one would buy that. Garth, like, immediately betrays them to Alec. Some th- rando thugs show up and start shooting them. All of this is basically just to give Lena and jake a scene together where they can reminisce about their own pasts and like have a romantic connection this is where they talk about both being in the freezer they start making eyes at each other although did you did you catch this this is the first time i've heard this but when he's like when they're talking about their past cardigan tells her i used to be a tech head 
That's why he went to prison. He was just like a drug abusing cop. No, but you know what? It, but I th- I'm pretty sure they implied in another episode that it was because he was going undercover and became addicted through that. All uh, right. So don't make me defend Cardigan. <laughs> Keep defending him over yeah. there. I think it's in this scene and he says a very weird line and I, sorry, I can't remember the context of it, but I wrote it down and I think it was like as a sexy thing to say to Lena and he went, I always had a thing for women who were about to become briquettes. And I thought, what does that even mean? Is that like a sexual innuendo? It's terrible. That's fine. Uh, I've I've always had a thing for people who were getting sent to the gas chamber. Lena also has a uh, little, a little come online during this scene, which I thought was pretty great. You're kind. You were like they say people are in books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the script was written by a machine that they just pumped in stuff and it just spat out words. Um, but it, you know what the thing is? So what we've what I've realized, and I don't know how much we need to go into this, but the whole point of getting rid of Beth was someone was someone up high, I assume, it just went, Come on, like he's gotta hook up with a girl every episode because you know, that's what the viewers want. So they get rid of Beth. He apparently has no, 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 sen- like, no sense of loss. Whatsoever. No sense of loss. Just, all right, well, this Russian girl seems fine, even though it's super inappropriate for his work relationship. It's fine. It's his new partner. They just, she's a criminal. They just got a freezer. Time's up. Time's up, Cardigan. It's, it's time to get moving. Um, it's not even clear what happens. Like they cut away and when they cut back, they're still wearing their clothes, but they're like looking like they're all lovey-dovey. And they realize, oh, you know what we should do? Uh, go back to those guys who we killed, who were attacking us at the photo store, and, like, look for clues. Yeah. Like, it, we just took a whole tangent, and now we're going back to the photo store to, like, pick back up on the plot. Yeah, I think that was um, probably why I was so bored during this episode. I, I quite literally kept stopping every five minutes. Um, and I think it's because the script was so much of a mess, and the episode just... They needed to get them from point A to point B, and it was as if they thought, well, everything in the middle doesn't really matter because uh, we can just cut ahead a little bit. But there are the, no obstacles. Where, where, there's no obstacles, and where they get to is the literally the airport, which they were at the beginning. Yeah, well, they so go it's back. Like, oh, so there's no point for any of this. They search the bodies. What they find is a future locker key. What, I don't even remember what they call it. a data key. They, they found a data key, which sounds interesting, but it just opens a locker at an airport. Which apparently always has a hologram on it all times. I don't know how the airport has no problem with this power running into this thing. No, yeah. They open the they open the locker in the airport. It's empty. And they're like, what could it be? And Cardin's like, I know. And he just like puts his hand through the back of the, the, the locker. And it's just a hologram there. Like it's just a doorway into the secret layer of labyrinth, which is just Alex and his bald friend. I was a little disappointed because I thought at first the... Uh, the, uh, the locker was just like a half-size locker, and he was going to have to crawl through. And I was like, oh, this will be funny looking. But then he just walked through, and I was, I, I was The way they shot it, too, I also thought it was like the upper half of a half-locker. Right. That's what I thought, <laughs> So yeah. I did think that was going to happen. They invade their uh, labyrinth secret lair. Alec is already dead. There's a neural scanner on his head. But we do get a great scene where it cuts back to Cosmo and Groot, Grout, Grout, yeah. is, she's so angry that they've lost it. And Sid turns to her and says, if our boy fails, I just want to be there when you tell your boss. Yeah, I remember he said that and I thought, they're not going to care. That's why they're sending, they're literally sending someone from Cosmos because they're disposable. Well, so why does she care? When Grout showed up, she's just like, I don't want to do this. You're an idiot. You're going to fuck this up. Like if any of them is like, She's just going back and saying, I told you this would happen. I told you if we hired this idiot, this is what was going to happen. She, she was actually very honest from the beginning that she didn't. She's like, I don't know. Does just, not like Jake. Yeah. Does not think he's capable. Uh, he's, she's being forced to do this by her higher ups. And then, like, yeah, she like, throws it in her face. Like, I can't wait to give it to tell your boss. It's Jake. Fuck this up. Just like you thought he would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Sid, that's not a good. Uh, you're not helping your partner at all. Well, he, to be fair, he was grumpy because he'd been five minutes without a donut. Basically, from that point, they realize whatever this guy's plan was is over because he is now dead. Because Garth walked in there, put his neural scrambler on his brain. So they're back at the airport. Comrade cop, their, bri- their cop they saw earlier, helps them shut down the entire airport to stop Garth. There's a weird fist fight between Cardigan and Garth, which Cardigan wins by also frying the man's brain with a neuralizer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the fight was bad. And ugh. they're like, we have to find him. He must be somewhere. And he literally just walks by. Of course, another pointless obstacle. I guess, no, I said there's no obstacles, but there's some obstacles. I lied earlier. There's a pointless obstacles. <laughs> the weather machine's broken. They yeah. have to rebuild it. Once it's rebuilt, Cardigan has to go into VR and stop the weather machine. Yeah. Like, there's no control panel for the, VR, for the weather machine. You have to go into VR to use it, apparently. And then uh, their corrupt cop friend, Comrade Cop, pulls a gun. He's like, ha-ha, Cardigan, now I'm going to – I liked your plan. Give it to me and I'm going to sell it now. Yeah. Wait, uh, which, which, like, goes nowhere. Like, Cardigan just shoots it and destroys it. And then Comrade Cop's like, well, all right, see you later. Just, I know. It was just, he walks away. That was everything in this episode. It just – there was no stakes, nothing mattered. Uh, the, the journey wasn't useful. No, There was no reason for it. Um, so that's that episode. In the end, as if there's any doubt in our minds, Lena's just like, are you going to take me back to the freezer now? Cardigan's like, that's my job. And then he just immediately just like lets her go. He's like, yeah. just kidding. You get out of here. You get out of here. You get out of here. You're free to go. And Well, it's, it has that thing. You where just they, bombed a train. It has the thing where they uh, try to give the audience that emotional, uh, some emotional resonance or something with this moment of like, oh, is he going to let her go? And I was like, you've just introduced this character. I don't care about her. And I don't care about their relationship. So I don't know. Kill her. I don't care. Let's just get well, over with all this. Cardigan walks away and he just, first thing he does, he's like left her 30 seconds ago, walks up to a machine. I assume he's going to be like, she got away. Sorry, everybody. But she goes, oh, he walks up to the machine. He's like, one ticket home, please. I know. I thought the same. Huge money will just say two tickets. Wait a minute. Words. And then if they look back at the recording, they'd be like, oh, he clearly thought she was with him. Like he didn't even bother calling in to say she escaped. He's like, oh, one yeah, one ticket home, please. That's fine. I'll explain this when I get back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, that is episode five. Uh, Pretty lackluster. Although I will say I liked some. I liked the early freezer world building, and I liked initially getting to see Russia for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, but oof, tough plot. Tough, tough reason to like follow along with this plot. Yeah, it was. Dare I say my least favorite episode? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get back to that in a little bit. Let's move on to episode six, Alter Ego. She'll be fine, Tyler. But I can't say the same about you. Why don't you just fade away, Connor? I know you're a hologram. Am I? Can a hologram do this? All right, let's move on to episode six, Alter Ego. Here's your synopsis. And uh, it is it's just, it's a spoiler for the whole episode. Like, the synopsis just lays it all out. So uh, you don't have to worry about anything at all. Don't worry. You never have to watch it. A powerful tech lord was put on ice for his crimes, but soon reappears and begins killing those responsible for putting him away. Jake checks the freezer, but he finds he is still on ice. There is an AI simulating the real tech lord. Yeah, I didn't realize that was the... Yeah, that is the whole episode. It gives you... Like, the whole premise of the episode is trying to figure out if this guy is in the freezer, who is impersonating him? And they're like, it can't be a hologram. Holograms don't have, like, life signs. It actually felt a lot to me, and this is going to seem like I'm praising this episode more than it than it, than it uh, should be praised, um, but it reminded me of an X-Files plot where there's, like, a monster. Like, I was thinking of... The Coombs episode where they're like, how could this guy possibly be killing these people? You find, oh, it's because he can stretch his body. And, you know, one of those episodes where that sort of creature of the week, that's what this sort of felt like, but not a very well, good version of it. I mean, we'll get into it in a second, but they definitely tease it that way. Like, it starts off with Miles Nelson Connor, a notorious tech lord, being put into the freezer for 115 years. And I wrote, why isn't he played by character actor Brad Dourif? Do you know who Brad Dourif is? No. No. Look him up and you'll see. He's, you'll recognize him. He's in a million things. This is my new favorite part of the show, by the way. I was going to yeah. ask you who <laughs> should have played this guy. Because as soon as I saw him, I'm like, Jordan's going to think of somebody who should have yeah. played this yeah. guy. Anyways, Brad Dourif should have played him because he's a... Sorry, Connor, but this guy. He, Brad Dourif's a better actor. 
Um, great. I will never look him up, but thank you. Um, I'm going to find a picture while you talk. He's He's been put into the freezer for 115 years. Again, who cares? That's not, it's not a, like, there's no, there's no, there's no punishment to this crime. He's just being frozen for 115 years. He's not being rehabilitated. He's not being punished. He's just in a freezer. I'm showing him Brad Dourif now. Do you recognize him? That's, are you sure he's not pronounced Dorf? Is that how you pronounce that? I, that's how I would have always pronounced, that's who I thought you were talking about. Oh, it was. I thought you, I mean, Brad yeah. Dorf. I always thought it was Dorif. I don't know. Anyways, don't you think he'd be better? Right in, right in and tell us. Yeah, he would have been great. Cosmo is celebrating because this is what was crazy to me, is the premise of this is they caught him thanks to a task force the Attorney General and Special Prosecutor put together with Cosmos. They just put in their tech posse together. It's just, they're like, this is just like, they started a new tech posse that also, to catch a tech lord, that probably banned all kinds of human rights to do it. They're celebrating the catching of this tech lord. Drinking by drinking non-synth alcohol. Um, and as they're finishing their party, like celebrating the fact that they've managed to catch this notorious tech lord with this tech posse 2.0. It's really weird. The attorney general is vaporized in her car. By the way, weren't you? I was positive the car was going to explode. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Instead, instead, she was like electrocuted in the car. I was like, oh, that's weird. They set it up in, in the way you would set up a car explosion. Um, and what they see is they see this tech lord now, Con- uh, Connor, standing on the street laughing at them. And they're like, well, who did that? Um, and that's where they sort of set up the premise. They're like, it couldn't have been a hologram because it had life signs. But it couldn't have been an android either, which we've never seen androids up to now, but apparently yeah. that's a possibility. Because th- we, our sensors would have detected it. So they like set up this idea that's going to be a third thing, a third magical thing. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. It's a hologram that, that someone like managed to give life science. Like, it, well, that's the thing. They never stopped and said, "Okay, it must be a hologram that someone has made more advanced, or they figured out how to trick the computers." They just went, uh, "Well, it can't be a hologram. Well, it just you, can't be." If you're gonna set up the two things it can't be, or like it could be, but it isn't, you have to find like a third cooler thing that it is. Uh, instead, it, there's it's just still a hologram. Yeah, it, it was it was like such a disappointing turn. Anyway, so this tech lord's in jail. We start realizing the tech lord, basically they're like run like a mob family. Like we go to a mob meeting and they're trying to figure out who's going to take over for him. And uh, so his, his underlings are fighting for the top spot. And then this not hologram hologram of the tech lord shows up. I don't know what. Did you see what he did to that man? Did he shoot him with a laser or something? He doesn't move. He doesn't do anything. It's this this young guy, this brash young upstart, yeah. Italian stereotype. It's like, I'm going to run the family now. And he walks in and he's just like, you think you're going to take over from me just because I'm in the freezer? And like a wave shoots through his body. Right. And then his chest just lights on fire. It's like his soul is pulled out of his body. And then his chest just explodes into flames. It wasn't good. That's all I knew. It was uh, a really weird. And like it was never clear how like. No guns were used. Like I don't know how the holograms killing. No, people. I know. I it, it it didn't look. You couldn't tell if it was a bad edit or if it, they just wanted to keep things mysterious for the viewer. But it clearly was coming from Connor. But it wasn't coming out for a gun or anything. So all of them, all of his uh, underlings, must have known it's not the real guy. Because I'm sure if he'd had the power to shoot out of his chest before that, he would have done it. Yeah, I guess what I thought. Like at this point, because I didn't know he was a hologram, I thought like there was something supernatural or like. I don't know, like he's a clone with weird power. Like he seemed to have telekinesis or something. Yeah. Um, can I mention one thing in Cundin? Um, my favorite thing in that scene was, and I don't know if you noticed, uh, there was a, a woman at the table, uh, one of these, I guess, gang lords or whatever they were, and she was wearing an eye patch. And and, <laughs> and, and I just, I like that. I wasn't sure if, and my thought was, was I wonder if that's cosmetic. Like if I wonder if there's an issue she has with her eye or if in 2045 that's a fashion thing. Because she looked like she was a member of uh, Dead or Alive. Do you remember who that band is? No. You spit you spin me right round. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. That 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 band was dead or alive. Anyways, the lead singer of that wore an eye patch because it was the eighties, but it's anyway. Nice, it's an aesthetic, I guess. Yeah. Uh you can't tell, but Jordan's wearing an eye patch right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Here's where we get into they introduce so they've been on this whatever this tech posse is with these like people to catch this tech lord. And now that the attorney general's dead, they bring in her second of command, which is weird. They've never met this woman before because she's in charge now of yeah. their like new tech. Yeah, posse. you would have think that they would have crossed paths at some point. 
Lieutenant Houston. Was that her name? Lieutenant Houston. Yeah, she's the new boss of the task force. Yeah. Um, and she's beautiful, of course. Yeah. And she catches Cardigan's eye immediately, and like, well, and he catches hers too because he's your classic rogue, and she does. She's all uh, straight laced, and she doesn't want to fall for him, but he's such a bad boy. So I mean, we're clearly now getting into what is going to be the rest of the series as a new woman of the week for cardigan yeah and and we're off and running and again another episode where they introduce a partner to cut sit out it's it's really weird it's it's like the writers didn't know what to do with him even though it's simple all of the all of the lines you're giving to this new person you bring in just give it to sid it's it's very weird they're the worst partnership so they go to this is the part where they go to the 1950s diner, right? Yeah, they go back to the diner now because they someone built that standing set and they're just like we're going back there. Yeah, every week this 50s diner. Um, and there's there's was an interesting. Uh, they go into privacy mode of their booth. Did you notice that? I but, did, but it didn't. But they didn't um, say what privacy. I assume people couldn't see them in the booth, but you didn't actually see anything visually to represent that. Oh, interesting. I, I thought they might have done it in an early episode. I just thought it turned down the volume around them. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's what it was. But, I, I, but my, you're right. It doesn't make sense because they're meeting a snitch there. Yeah. Who, I oh, mean. so bad. Th- this has been the least offensive of the times we've done this. But <laughs> in walks a very attractive woman who they, like, Sid and Jake just ogle. Like, I know. It's so weird. They're just, just like, oh, an attractive woman. Let's both just stare at her. It's like, guys. And, like, I don't know. They make some jokes. It's really weird. And then she sits down at the table. And she touches her head. And. It's a holographic head. It's a it's a morph mask. Morph I apologize. Mask, yeah. It pulls off, and it's just this troll of a man. Yeah. Well, it sort of answers. Um. I guess the the guy and the woman are both white, but but you can be different. Gender. You can be different genders now. Uh, and I mean, change your height and your general body appearance, apparently. But not your voice. Not you your, do everything. Not your voice. But not your voice. Um. I will. To be fair, I guess this is the like least offensive this gag has been. Because he's really only doing it because he's afraid Connor's going to get him. So to stay hidden, he's just being as far away from himself as he can be. Right. And, it, and no, no one really makes any weird, awful jokes at this at this point. So this is like the third time they've gone to this well, but at least it's the least offensive. Time. Yeah. From this, like they don't learn anything. Like they just talk to him. They're like, he's out there somewhere. Yeah. I saw him. I saw him kill a guy at a mob meeting. He must be real. Well, it's he's used as a way to keep telling the audience that something weird is happening, even though it's just a hologram. The attorney general's been killed. The special prosecutor is running this new tech posse. He's still alive, though. And we cut to his house where he's being protected by police. The cop is immediately distracted and knocked unconscious. And when she wakes up, she sees Connor in the house, like choking yeah. the uh, the special prosecutor to death. And that's it. They've they've killed the special prosecutor as well. But let me mention one thing. She sees <laughs> she sees the guy getting choked on the second floor. She runs in and he's dead on the first floor. Oh my god, I didn't I did not And know. I was just like, "Come on, guys." Anyway. Like that sh- that should told you right away it was a hologram. It's ridiculous. They show up and like they're like, "Oh, there's no fingerprints, there's no DNA." Um, but they get mad at Lieutenant Houston cuz she's apparently like holding something back from them she's not telling them something they need yeah. to know and they and it's like they keep fighting fighting uh cardigan and houston and did you notice the, the one thing he said as sort of a um let's just get along he says how about a nice cup of soy calf so implying that it's a soy based coffee beverage that they're going to talk over and here's i don't think we've talked about this uh, yet so far i don't know if if in the future they've been implying that uh there's a lack of resources or that things are just so technologically advanced that there is a synthetic version of everything they can also get. But so far they've mentioned a bunch of products, but only in the context of, well, the real thing is better. You know, oh, do you want synthetic asparagus or real asparagus? Implying that the real thing is much more expensive or rare or um, hard to come by. Is, is that how you how you feel th- about it? That keeps coming with everything. They're just like, oh, this is non-synthetic alcohol. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess the idea is like that stuff is just more expensive now. See, I'm actually more interested in that and the world building than I am in these plots. I was, I'm like, oh, 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 interesting. Soy cafe. That's what people are drinking. And then it's like, oh, no, they're going to talk about this hologram more. The only reason I mentioned that uh, Houston was like holding back information and why they're all so upset and they're all upset about it is because Sid has a line here 
which I didn't hear rule one, but he says, Boscom rule two, never, never trust, trust a, a bureaucrat. bureaucrat. I wrote that too. I said, what is he you know, Ferengi with his rules of acquisition? It's like, what was rule one? I'll let that go if for the rest of the series, they keep giving random numbers like Boscom rule 63, you know, wipe back to front, you know, whatever, whatever his rules might be, <laughs> which is, oh no, Boscom front to back please i mean this is the first time i'm hearing anything about any some bascom rules um I, I think it's just to keep uh that i've mentioned before they want to keep showing that he's this great intellectual chess player and to to keep reminding you that he's in the show even though we haven't seen yeah, seen him in several this episodes. is the closest we get to see shatner someone yeah. mentions a rule his character has from the crime scene they go back to cosmo Nika hates Cardigan for some reason. Every time they interact, she just was like talking like she fucking despises him. And I don't know why, but she is, con- she's like, I mean, I think it's- she's just, she's just sassy. That's her thing, isn't it? It's not sassy. Like, she literally seems to like find him to be a huge inconvenience to her life. Oh, but then he makes a comment and I wrote it down. Sid and Jake joke. I can't remember what they had asked her to do. And she was like, I don't want to do it. And they said, they made a joke about pulling off her nails. Did you get that? Yeah, they- and I thought, what kind of office is this? If, if my boss said to me, do it, and then made a joke about, like, injuring me in some way, I'd be like, you know, I think I'm done here. Like, come on. It, yeah, she says she's very busy. She doesn't have time for, like, she's... She doesn't have time to do Jake's work as yeah, per normal. Like, Jake wants her to Google something, and she's like, I'm really <laughs> busy. And they're like, make a joke about torturing her. Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, anyway, she Googled it for them, and basically he just, like, wants to know... Who could like who has the same body type as Connor? Who could be impersonating him? But they've already shown that you could be any body type and wearing a body morph thing. So wh- I, I was like, what is this going to show you? If that if that weird looking guy could look like a beautiful woman, then you could be Dikembe Mutombo dressed up as dressed up as who? Dressed up as who? Dressed up as who? Warwick Davis. Oh, there we go. You got there. Yeah, I got there. I picked a. I picked a tall person that no one remembers and then a short person no one remembers actually i think people still remember warwick davis oh yeah people know who warwick davis is. yeah do you remember who jikembe mutombo is no he was a basketball player his thing was he would he, he was very good at defensively hitting the ball out of people's hands and then he'd wag his finger at you like oh, no no news. no which i actually don't like anything in sports like just play the game you're getting paid millions of dollars we don't need to have you showboating you, that's well, pretty you did, good showboating though. but you did the one thing you're getting paid for calm down with the information from Nika, they break into this junkyard that has a security system that Sid's going to oh, disable. Right. With the old ma- computer one. Yeah, with his thing. It doesn't work. They find like what it, like what they keep calling an ancient computer with a, I wrote it down, what is it? A 3286 processor. They can't yeah. believe how old it is. It's so yeah. crazy. And it's clearly just like computers they had around. The yeah, it's from the office. Prop. It's from the office. Uh, coordinator in the office. Too. Uh, I need that. No, we need it for a prop. But that's the thing. They're like, this is where they figure out it's a hologram. Because for some reason, in this old computer, is this hologram program that lets you have life support. Like, makes it look like you have life signs. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, why would that be in the oldest computer in the world? Luke, they say it's a high-res, high-res hologram. Oh, that's right. Sorry. So that, that answers all the questions. A high-res hologram with life signs. Yeah. So this basically confirms everything they've thought. Houston shows up out of nowhere. And she, like, ex- she basically explains the plot now. Which is that she's actually on a different task force, which has been trying to find this, like, something that Connor was up to. He was buying all this technology so he could, like, what, how did they put it? He, so he could be a cyber hacker with full access to the Matrix. Yeah, it was weird because it was one of those things where they wanted conflict between Houston and Cardigan. So they had her withhold information for but it was, one scene. But it was, yeah, for what? One, it was for one scene. And two, it was information that. There was no reason to hold it back because it doesn't really affect anything. So it was just a false sense of conflict to give these two like, oh, they're really butting heads. But I bet I bet they'll they'll fall in love anyway, because have you seen Cardigan's jacket? How can how can you resist? Um, so now that they're friends again. Right. That's all. You know what? As I've always said, if you're not getting along with someone, invite them out for a soy calf. You'll probably you'll probably find you have more in common than you have. You know, there's differences. But you're always saying that's true. Yeah. Remember that time we had that big fight? And then I said, let's go get a soy calf. And, then, and, then, and then it turned into this podcast. <laughs> you were you were all, Trump, Trump, get rid of the immigrants. I hate women. I wish I could I wish I could save every aborted baby. And I was like, yeah. You, you know and what? that soy calf set me straight. Yeah. And I said, you know what? 
I agree with you in all those points, Luke. <laughs> I thought that was so <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer, I'll cut that out of the show. Um. So this is the part where I think they show they show up at the house now, and this is this is when she spin kicks the guy, the bodyguard at the front, which I'm she's really been pushing this whole time about all the rules and regulations. And I'm, I'm sure there's something like they need a warrant or something. You can't just go into someone's house. And they say, no, you can't come in. So she kicks their, you know, kicks her way in. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, they just bust into the mob house. They corner Connor second in command. They're like, it's you, you're doing all this. And he's like, it's not, but I'm afraid. So if you take me to the, if you take me into the station, I'll tell you everything. Uh, at yeah. which point his chest also explodes yeah. into flames. And Connor, the hologram is standing behind them. And he's like, you're dead now, cops. And they start shooting at the hologram, but they know it's a hologram. It's not going to do anything. The hologram lures them into a hallway that has like a force field generator in it, which now we know dissolves people. So now we know why they're running away from it yeah. as it attacks them. They're running. Sid throws a lamp at it. I don't even remember that. Yeah, they're running. Oh, no, I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're running away and Cardigan and Houston are a bit behind. So Sid's like, hurry up. And he picks up a lamp and he just throws it at the force field it dissolves and then sid dives out of the way injuring himself so badly yeah i know he they have to say oh he's so badly hurt he can't be in the rest of the episode as if he was so instrumental at that point like he didn't it wasn't even much of a jump he like kind of like slid on the floor a little i actually thought at first what had happened was uh, something had hit him, like an explosion or something. That's what. But I was like, oh no, he just fell down. Like at worst, he has a sprained ankle. It, it's it, it makes no sense. Like he's and he's like out of the show, for, and there's like 20 minutes of the show. It's just yeah. like halfway through, he's just like, ah, that's it for me. I'm good for the rest of this episode. Houston and Jake go. They take Connor out of the freezer to prove that it's not him, and they're like, oh, okay, so you're st- we're still frozen. We want to know how you're doing this. They take him out of the freezer. And like immediately the hologram appears and he escapes from the jail set, from from his prison transport. And we get we come to find out that he has basically uploaded his mind, I guess, into yeah. an AI, and now the AI sentient and the AI like immediately kills him. I don't understand why the AI went to all this trouble to help him get out of prison. Like to only kill him, I know. I, he he didn't need to. Like he already had all the power he needed. He was an omnipotent AI. But all that happens is he like it, nothing nothing happens like now he controls the internet and he like cosmo's now trying to stop him from i don't know what like i don't know what his plan is now he's just going to be a super smart ai who rules the internet i guess yeah yeah i guess i guess the point is he's now going to he well he's going to take over the life that the real connor has he's still going to run crime the difference being he really is uh he has no weaknesses because he's not real that's i guess the point yeah, but I mean, it, but it's dumb well, and it controls technology. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Thankfully, the omnipotent AI who is invulnerable does have one weakness. He His weakness is he hates Cardigan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's, that's what Cardigan he, he, he hates me as much as... He's yeah. like, Connor, the, the tech lord, hated me. So this AI, if he has his mind, he also hates me. I'm like, I'm like well, finally, you're, something's paying off for Jake. Everyone yeah. hates him, and that's the one thing that's going to save us. And for the second episode in a row, Jake has to get hooked up to technology and go into the internet or some sort of computer. Um, only this one, was it looked funnier because he was all jiggling and stuff. But I, I felt like this episode would have been better if they got to that almost right right from the beginning. Like the episode was Jake having to deal with stuff in this technological right, world right. where he had uh, everything was against him and he and he was. Yeah, he was out of his element. He was out of his element. I thought they could have started that right off the beginning and they could still have had her a Houston feeling weird over top of him, you know, looking at his body and stuff. And, and oh, well, look, look at the suffering he's going through. But instead, they did this whole journey that meant nothing, signified nothing. And and now he's just going to resolve it in three seconds because it was like even like. Oh, so this in this AI that you go to, it's just like your world. Well, you can walk around. It's just like I mean, you can really see like the level of understanding or care for technology. Like when he goes into the virtual world to attract the AI to him, so that they can like capture and destroy it. Nika's advice to him when he doesn't start showing up is like, she says, "Try broadcasting your password on every channel. That should bring him running." I'm just like broadcasting your password on every yeah. channel in the in your matrix i'm like 
those are just words you strung together. You would think that he's in this world. It's not his real body. You can do anything. And clearly, they've shown this with the the uh, uh, AI Connor, the hologram Connor. He can shoot lasers. He could just kill people. You would think that Cardigan should be able to do stuff in this world too now that he's there, right? Or he should be able to project himself as a hologram into the real world. But they don't do that. They just get into like a fist fight. And it's just like... I, I did think we did see like the first idea of how the Matrix works is because what, yeah, they put him into it. And when he wakes up, he's still in Cosmo, which is an empty Cosmo. So I guess like yeah. where your internet is, it just looks like your house. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like inside <laughs> your computer is just like also your house. Yeah. But when you go to work, you go on that where internet, you're just at your <laughs> internet at work. work. Yeah. But just no one's all the annoying people you work with are not there. It's just a big empty room, but yeah. it's still your work though. Yeah. Um, yeah, like basically Cardigan kind of in true like noir detective style just gets beat to shit for like four straight minutes. Like he has no plan. He's just standing there getting beat for as long as it takes them to like destroy the AI. Well, that, and that's the thing they all, so far we're how many episodes, six episodes in, they've mentioned numerous times how good Cardigan is. He's the best, the best. He's got special skills. He's, um, blah, blah, blah. All of these, all of these great qualities, but Time and time again, he goes into things with no planning, no ideas, and sort of just fumbles his way through it, like like a Leslie Nielsen character, sort of. You know what I mean? Like it's just it just he's like a bumbling buffoon. His, I'll go to go into this this uh, the AI system. Why? Why not send Nika in? She clearly knows how to use technology, but they send him in. He's like, I guess I'll fight him. It's like, oh, he's so they have, he has to go in because they hate him. Yeah, that's, he oh, that's the right. AI hates yeah, him. Yeah, so he hates much. him. Yeah. Gotta send him in. All right, let's go. Let's go through the only things. What are Cardigan's special skills? Real quick, what what are Cardigan's special skills? Everyone hates him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Real good at getting beat up. Yeah. Oh, we saw him kick a couple times. Oh, a couple good kicks. Um, I know he can bribe people. He like. Yeah. Real quick to bribe someone. Um, he's good on his feet in terms of he can come up with an excuse, uh, like a really bad excuse, really quickly as to why he's somewhere. Um, and the uh, only other one I have is uh, ladies love him. Yeah. Ladies can't get enough. LLJC. Ladies love Jake Cardigan. <laughs> LLJC. LLJC. Nice. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do. Like, it's over. They've beaten him. They pulled Jake out. Scene ends. We come back, and the entire office is cheering <laughs> for, for because <laughs> Sid is back from the hospital. I know from his from his most minor injury possible. They're like, he's back from his hangnail surgery. Yeah, uh, they're just cheering him. Like Jake just like went into a computer and fought a like sentient AI. But uh, this guy took a little tumble, so he's back. Let's all give him a big round yeah. of applause. But the whole thing was so that. Uh, they could show how Houston is lightened up, and she gives him a uh, uh, thermos, which has what? I it, it's I said it was a donut stein. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, she mentions. I think she says, and I could be wrong. I think she says it's like sweet cream and a donut, and he's like, oh, like it's. And now it's clearly a running joke because it's three episodes in a row where they've oh, yeah. they've his thing is he loves donuts, and again, uh, you mentioned it. What we know now about him is he loves technology, he loves a donut, and. He has very brittle bones. <laughs> I, I love. He's it. Like, like a young bird. I love what she gives. Like it literally does look like a beer stein. Like it even has like the lid that flips up when you push it. Like it like pops open. Yeah. And he like pushes it, it pops open, and it's just like one donut on top. Like presuming there's a stack of donuts underneath. To which, to which Sid like takes it. He's so happy, and then he looks at them and he says, "We need to be alone." And he walks off with his donuts. I know it's, it was it was weird. He's gonna it's, go fuck those donuts. <laughs> they just they don't know what to do with him. It's just it's very weird. And and you know someone just thought just that's his personality. He loves donuts, and they just keep ramming it down to the audience's throat. Uh, I mean, and that, I mean, and that's it. Like the only other thing that happens is like Houston and Jake agree that like they should definitely go on a date. I'm just like I don't care. I know. Well, we'll never see you again, Houston. Don't worry about it. Well, I found these two episodes kind of painful. Um, well, well do you yeah, want to, let's get in the ratings. So give me give me a quick what your, what your feelings are on these on these on these episodes. Uh, well, I would say episode uh, five. I'm giving it. Uh, I think my lowest score so far, which is a five out of ten. What that's, about you? That's pretty low. Uh, you know what? Five out of ten for me too. Oh, I didn't. Hey, we've agreed. I didn't hate it as much as you though. No, I know. I I just it's it's not so bad that 
it's awful, but it's also it's not good by any stretch of the imagination. It just is like there are seeds of interesting things yes. in it that are never explored or like they're like they plant these seeds and then they never water them. They just walk away. Uh, but anyways, episode five, we both give it a five. All right. Episode six. What, what are you giving it? Six. A six. eh? Yeah. What about you? I mean, I, I actually feel pretty much the same about these two episodes. I liked the freezer stuff. I like the Russia stuff. I like the idea of AI. But none of the none of it went anywhere. Yeah, it was just like it was like almost getting good ideas, and we're like, well, the rest of this, the plotting and everything that's happening is terrible. I'm I'm gonna give it a four point five. Wow, I don't uh, know why I feel I feel like I almost guilty for giving it a lower score than I've been giving it, but I am slowly dropping. I can see you are slowly dropping. The last few weeks, I've gone like I love one episode and hate the next one. These two, I just felt like just so indifferent. Like I was just like. Uh, some good stuff, but mostly bad. I can't wait till Elizabeth. I'm assuming it's Elizabeth, but I'm pretty sure the name was Elizabeth. I can't wait till her episode because I'm sure it will be. You know, it will. It, I think it will end on a high note, and uh, I'll be a I'll be a, a tech head, a tech I, head once again. <laughs> I I am very hopeful this all ends on a very high note. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I don't think there's anything left to say about these two very middling episodes of Tech War. So uh, if you want to get a hold of us to talk about Tech War, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter or Instagram at uh, continuumdrag as well. And until next week, what's a good what's a good sign-off, Jordan? Uh, tech you later. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. All right, that's enough. Bye. Bye. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Emily Carter, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>